You're listening to the African Creators Podcast, a platform that seeks to empower and inspire creatives to follow their passion as well as bring about stories of triumph from the everyday challenging experience of being a young creative in Africa. For this episode, we're going to be talking about decoloniality activism and promoting social justice as cultural practitioners. Well, my name is Tabiso Valentine Dube, some call me Tabike, and this is the African Creators Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is a performance artist, a writer, an educator, and an activist. Nashilonge Shipwe Mushanja, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's, it's really great to have you so that you can share some of the experience and some of the, the knowledge that you have with regards to the topic that we have at hand today. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Glad to be here. Uh, okay, so to get the ball rolling, can you please just tell us in brief about yourself? Okay, um, that's always a hard question, right? when I have to talk about myself (laughs) because I think one of the things as an activist is that it's not always about yourself, you know? Exactly. But really briefly, I think I'm I'm just a young black man from Karutura (laughs) who grew up in Karutura, a practitioner of art who uses their art and their education spaces to mobilize and do the work of radical education, radical imagination. Um, I'm very passionate about social justice uh, and I kind of try to to make sure that it reflects mm. in my politics, in my music, in my performance art, in my writing as a scholar, in my teaching when I teach right. or when I mentor. I'm really, really, really guided by principles mm. of uh, social justice. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, in relevance to, to what you're all about, you know, today also marks uh, the day of yes. the African child. Yes. Um, it's been a day that has been celebrated uh, when we celebrate children and young people yeah. all throughout Africa. Yeah. Obviously, it was ignited by the protest uh, when the children and young young people of Soweto took yes. to the streets on the 16th of June in ni- 1976 um, and ever since we've been celebrating the day and the day obviously has a lot of significance yeah. but in your own view what significance does the day of the African child have for African children and young people yeah. and why is it then uh important for them to be conscious of this mm-hmm. day and what it means yeah it's it's a memory right so the day serves as a point of memorializing and um holding on to memory of what was a very painful thing right uh 16th june 1976 uh in soweto when young people decided to rise up learners decided to rise up against the the South African regime, mm. apartheid regime. Mm. Um, and the backlash was not um, very nice, as we know. Right. Apartheid regime 
uh, violence to be but it is significant because it that that very gesture of the young people was an act of social justice it was part of that struggle against imperialism the struggle against um apartheid um and bantu education right so it is important today because we need to know where we are coming from as young people mm. as young africans right and this is really one of the key points in 1976 if you look at um broadly whether it's in south africa or in namibia uh or in angola or it's in zimbabwe this was a time of 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 a lot of liberation war happening right, right. so it was at its height so this day is just important because memory is is a tool against forgetfulness mm. we must dare not to forget mm, mm, you mm. know um but also it is important because it's to constantly remind us and remind the enemy that the struggle never ended right that the struggle continues the struggle for social justice the struggle against racism um and systemic racism and violence continues so we have to continue educating ourselves and educating the masses the youth and inspiring them and giving them the space for radical imagination mm, mm, mm. imagine freedom mm. i think that's the most important thing to be able to imagine what it means to be free mm. uh i mean would you say um from your own perspective the day itself has been done justice um with regards to how we celebrate it how mm. our government celebrated how different institutions have been kind of celebrating this day mm. or is there still more to be desired i think there is more to be done but also i think the fact that we are remembering it and we are commemorating it across the continent um whether it's in south africa where it's referred to as youth day or it's in namibia where it's referred to as the day of the african child that is a sign that we have kind of held on to that memory to help us imagine tomorrow that's one part uh we haven't quite done enough broadly um if you think about how the ANC government or the swapo government or zanu mm. these political movements um that went into power anti liberal i mean anti apartheid anti colonial movements that got into power now mm. um since 20 30 years ago 40 years ago for some now there's obviously a lot of like critique that's out there i'm right. not the first one to say this against how these governments have just adopted the structures and the ways of doing things so there hasn't been proper decolonization right. people are still poor right. more people are poor today and i think we need to hold to hold our our leaders accountable, accountable. so it's not just about the youth right uh it's also about holding the leaders accountable because tomorrow the youth has to to account and to answer to tomorrow's youth right and then if we don't have those answers if we cannot even start to say that we've we've done the work of critically and creatively engaging with the departed leaders mm. you know um we must be able to have said that we have done the work 
Right. And I think we are doing the work. There's yeah. still a lot of gaps in in youth platforms, in youth organizing. Uh, but I think many young people are doing the work. And if you think about just international movements like Black Lives Matter, yeah. Fees Must Fall, Roads mm. Must Fall, mm. Gandhi Must Fall, mm. um, these are all young voices who organize themselves mm. and claim space right. and say, hold on, the promise of one Namibia, one nation, or the promise of the Rainbow Nation is quite a... F- it's, it's, it's bizarre. Right. Doesn't, it doesn't reflect the ground. It's empty, mm. right? It's mm. not true. Mm. Yeah. I think one thing that has been uh, something that I've always been curious about, you know, we have all these policies and um, all these institutions that claim to have diversity, and promote diversity that claim to um, be driven with uh, a sense of social justice, you know. And I've realized that a lot of it is just a lot of tokenism, you know. It's more about appearances rather than having internal structures that are anti-racist, you know, uh, internal structures that do not condone violence. But then I guess I think it's a process. Uh, I think eventually we will get there. But I think it also starts in the mind. You know, I think a lot of us need to change mindsets. And on that point, we need to go back to a process where we actually start decolonizing the space, decolonizing the education that we get, you know. And on that note, uh, I think I would like to actually ask you for for the audience's benefit what what do you think is decolonization in itself what is it what is the term what does it mean and why is it every african citizen should be aware of this term Mm -hmm. be kind of conscious of the repercussions of having to activate the Mm -hmm. decolonization process Mm -hmm. so just to take from what you're saying about activating i think decolonization or rather decoloniality um, is is not just a term for some it's just a term it's mm. quite fashionable these days <laughs> especially in the academy mm. all the money goes to the decolonizing just say decoloniality and you get all the money <laughs> all the funding um, but it's more it's not just it's more than a term it's 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 dialogic action mm. right so it's a dialogue but it's also an active dialogue. We are dismantling while we are engaging. Right. Right. Um, and what is it really? It's and why is it important? Decolonization or decoloniality is a continuation of the unfinished work of social justice and equality for all people of the world. Mm. Right. So it's not just in Africa, but also in in Latin America, also in Brazil, right. also in in Mexico, also in Asia, also in Australia, in Europe, right? Because the imperial project mm. was a global project, yeah. was, a, was an international project, right? Colonization took place everywhere. But I guess the African case is a special one uh, in the sense that there was a particular focus to invade the entire continent. Right. 
And that is why today we are being called and we are calling and saying, let us continue that work that was not finished. Mm. And we are not saying just us to do the work, but everyone, so no one is exempted, mm. even presidents must do the work of decoloniality and decolonization. So it is to continue that work of social justice, that work of, um, of, 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 of equality, whether it's in the sense of gender, whether it's in the sense of race, whether it's in the sense of um, land, mm. whether it's in the sense of access to education, and not just any education, but education that is relevant, right. education that can be tasted mm. and felt, mm, mm. not just thought, right. but decolonizing the body. And in the arts, that's, that's our approach because we work in the body. Mm. So it's about really tapping into our memories and our imaginations and our ideals um, and being specifically critical to the things that we don't want. Okay. Yeah. Right. And doing something about the things that we don't want to do. So it is important because everyone is affected by colonialism. And colonialism is not something that's left in the past, in the far past, that we are now supposed to forget because it continued it never stopped right right we got political independence but we didn't get economic freedom yes for example yeah um that is a fight we have to fight that is a conversation we need to have um so pambiri pambiri <laughs> nechimurenga <laughs> Pambili. Commercial. <laughs> no, no, no. This is um this is brilliant. And I think more and more young people should become engaged in, in the in the dialogue when it comes to uh decolonization because yeah. we need to be aware, we need to be conscious yeah. of um the process itself because we need to contribute, you know. Uh, and I think I think it's entirely up to us to actually be very active you know because i think it's our responsibility we are responsible for this process and we need to start engaging and mm. activate yeah. um on that note um how is art effective in itself as a tool to drive home decolonization mm -hmm. and is there too much how much is too much for too much of what? Too much of, of decolonial art. Decolonial art. <laughs> it can never be too much. Yeah. And and, and more, more especially yeah. when it's being used yeah. as as a protest machine against continuous injustices inflicted by these oppressors yeah. or by oppressors if, by if past that, oppressors. If that is the intention, then we are on the right track. If everywhere we turned. And all we saw was like just artists dismantling and disrupting and reimagining and, you know, thinking radically and creating radically. That would be, I think, would get so much done. But also, um, I'm also careful to not uh, put the burden on artists because I think artists, uh, many artists do that work already. Right. But I think it's only a problem when the term is tokenized as it's happening now it's on the market mm, it's fashionable mm, mm, mm. it's 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 the right it, it looks and feels you know good uh even when people are not doing the work i right. think that's only when it's a problem right um but i think art has always been at the center 
of decolonization. Right. A lot of our art history in Africa is very, I don't know, fortunately and unfortunately, it's very, it's very written within the context of colonialism. Okay. It's often written on as as a response to, well, not all of it, but mm. some of, if you think about, for example, Chimurenga music, mm. right? And the idea of Pungwe. Right, yes, yes. These are ways in which historically liberation movements, like in this case in Zimbabwe, used late night um, uh, events, virgils, mm. to mobilize and educate the masses by using dance. Mm. I think there's a dance called Kongonya, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Kongonya, correct. I know these things because I'm writing about <laughs> them in my PhD. Um, where they used song, where they, where they connected mm. to a higher power right? in order to, you know, um, in order to mobilize and educate and imagine freedom mm. and, 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 and fight against the enemy. So art has always been at the center. Mm. I think what's very interesting that we also need to confront now is how art suddenly is at the margins right. Right. of the post-colonial project. Yeah. Because in many African countries, artists face a lot of struggle. They are not supported. Um, yet mm. it is artists who are at the forefront of fighting for social justice mm. cultural workers mm. Mm. you know so it, it 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 is important and it can never be too much until we have completely wiped out poverty decolonization will never be too much it will just be too much if <laughs> it's just empty yeah if it's just a metaphor yeah but it's not an active you know yeah but for as long as there's poverty for as long as there's gender-based violence rape culture we must we must dare mm. to push the rock yeah i think um that also brought a thought in mind just how the colonizers when they came how art and culture in itself our art and culture as Africans was one of the first casualties. Mm-hmm. You know, they first targeted the yeah. art and the culture. You know, that reminds me of um, um, a very significant traditional dance in Zimbabwe. It's from an area called Murewa. Mm-hmm. It's called Jerusalem Mbende. Mm-hmm. Initially, yes. the name is Mbende, yeah. but uh, it had to be changed in order to actually preserve the the the. Uh, the dance it's itself, you know, the culture of the dance itself, just so that it can be aligned, mm-hmm. you know, with the um, with the imperialists' kind of perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I think I think that is a very good example of how our cultures and our art was murdered during that time, and I think this is also a time where we should also revive those kind of things you know those kind of practices where art was at the center of the community art was the driving force of the entire community which is something that um was used to raise children something that was used to address uh communal issues conflicts and everything it was just art and culture at the center of it all and i just hope that one day you know we get to a point where um, all of that has to come back and we have to kind of uh, do research and, and, and feel responsible for 
having these kind of situations back again in our society you know because i think it's much much more conducive than um all this media imperialism that we are dealing with today but uh that brings me again to my next question uh how does neocolonialism and cultural and media imperialism influence the current landscape of the sub-saharan african creative spaces and how best can african creators be conscious of this factor when developing their work mm-hmm. so i think the question that i will add to that is whose lens are we using mm. you know whose whose view are we using right. whether we are in the media training school or in the art school or in art practice media practice which cultural m- method are we using to to create or to teach um and it is no secret that a lot of the media and a lot of the, the approaches that we are using today are very western if i can use that word right or are neocolonial mm. if i can use that term um that's 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 part of the whole continued work of the apartheid project or the colonial imperialist project mm. however i think as much as we've lost so much over the last many centuries i think we must also be able to acknowledge that not everything went right true that is why today we still have a lot then we know mm. right we don't know that we know but we actually do know we know yeah <laughs> it's there and 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 things like place and the body are like the spaces in which we need to check in mm. you know things like muscle memory mm, mm. intergenerational memory mm. and i'm not just speaking about things that you learned when you started living as a human being but things that are in your body or in your spirit mm. that you've known that mm. you know that you've inherited inherited knowledge yeah just because it's that's that is how we function mm. and of course culture was the main thing that was um one of the first things to be attacked culture and spirit mm. right our ways of learning uh because once you attack those gatekeepers you could get through to the kings and yes. the community and right. you know um but for me as an artist today as a researcher as an educator instead of for example beginning to teach a first year performance studies class in to teach drama i want first teach drama or music theory in terms of notation mm. or what do you call that stuff those <laughs> mathematics yeah, things yeah, i failed those things in first year by the way <laughs> that i dropped music but i decided to still make music yeah but it's cuz my body couldn't comprehend really, mm. i couldn't relate mm. right mm. Uh, and that's because that frame that lens was treble clef you know g sharp major mm. i thought i was escaping mathematics when <laughs> i left high school and here i was in a music school <laughs> so i'm not saying that african bodies cannot grasp right. that kind of music theory mm. i'm saying 
that kind of lens is not inclusive. Mm, mm, it's what we mm. call epistemic violence. Yeah. It is it perpetuates epistemic violence or mm. musical violence. Mm, mm. It's part of the regimes of tonality because okay. the colonial regime came with tonality to control our tones and tell us this is soprano alto. You know all that rubbish. And that is why I would rather begin teaching my class in an African context. I'll mm. begin at home. I'm more interested in concepts of performance, for example, like Odano, mm. which is encompassing of dance and music, and they're very embodied, and they're place-based, and they're relational, um, which just means play, because it's something that we all do, whether mm. we are actors or, you know. What if we begin there, before we even get to Greek theater, yeah. we begin with Odano, mm. we begin with Motameko, Right. we begin with mutambo mm. you know what if we begin there because these concepts are not just they are they are they, they are more broad and they can also be specific but they, they are inclusive because we can immediately speak about dance but we're also speaking about sports mm. so mm. that power of interdiscipline so it's important for cultural workers to use these lenses or localized or relational or lenses from home right in order to really account for the stuff that we think is lost completely mm. because it's not lost completely it's still there yeah we still have the languages mm. Mm. yeah i mean now that you've mentioned it it takes me back uh because when i was when i was a, a young person growing up i mean i'm still a young person obviously but when i was uh, still in primary school and um i started going to chipao um i think i mentioned it in the in the first episode of the podcast when i told about my life story um i ended up having a completely different appreciation of my own culture and my own history you know and a lot of the things that we were taught they are not even taught in school we were taught by the cultural gatekeepers you know that that felt responsible to make sure that the next generation can have also cultural gatekeepers that can pass on the knowledge you know to the to the next generations and so and so and at at the moment i i have vast knowledge of uh, about 11 traditional dances all of them different from different parts of the country as well and all of them served a completely different purpose yes and they were a part of the culture and yeah. as a human being within that community and in that uh, economic structure of 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 uh, society mm-hmm. in in ancient zimbabwe you had to know yeah some of these things you know uh, there were dances where people had to dance when they were going to war mm-hmm. there were dances for celebration mm-hmm. there were dances for for the general display and entertainment and all these things there were dances for um rain making uh for yeah. for rituals yeah. ceremonies you know every single occasion had some form of celebration that had something to do with performance art you know in itself and what really saddens me the most is that most of my peers in school they used to always shine upon my pride mm in these kind of practices mm. and i i was very curious and i was very very interested you know about 
about these things and I always wanted to know more and I wanted to show off you know my culture and my tradition you know and I wasn't really fully conscious about all these terms and the connotations that we have today yeah. but it was just a natural feeling yes. because it was very relatable yeah. for me you know and um, it, what is really said is that as young as we were even at that point my peers could not even you know they they were already taught to shun their own cultures shun their own traditions and i'm talking about primary school you know and from my experience it's easier to actually build children than to repair men and i'm just imagining um how much work we have now in order to raise consciousness about these things and get people to actually really appreciate who we are you know and um I think we have a lot of work to do uh, and the work must keep going and the work and must continue. <laughs> don't have a choice. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it, it's still very saddening to yeah. to actually fully appreciate the present reality that we have at hand, you know. But um, I think one other thing that I would really like to discuss with you is that I've realized that a lot of creatives here at home, but the story may be even more prevalent abroad, are victims of, of uh, charades, of tokenism, perhaps um, to lack of anti-racist structures within the respective institutions, like I mentioned earlier. What contribution can black artists make in fighting this form of systematic discrimination against them? Um, I think black artists have been doing their work for years. <laughs> In fact, black artists are very tired right now. Right. While they're doing the work, they're quite tired of always having to be the ones. I mean, many black artists don't have a choice, right? You, you somehow have to make a statement. Right. On, 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 on racism or the current status quo. For many artists, they don't see that as, 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 like as a choice. I mean, some artists completely refuse and they do other things. But I think many, arti- many black artists reflect the times and they shake the canon and they, they disrupt uh, and they speak back to critically. Um, I think that needs to extend not only to black artists but to all kinds of artists and all kinds of people in the world need to do that work as mm. well of, of 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 reflecting the times and speaking back to the violence of the of the now so i i want to see more white artists for example making work about racism mm, mm, you know mm. or making work about critical whiteness yeah, uh, that, that takes me back to, to a quote that I, I, I read earlier on this morning, uh, posted by Tanya Rodzotarengwa. Uh, she's been talking about how opera is racist. She, she's a classically trained uh, singer from Zimbabwe who's based in the United States, you know, and, and she's well vested in beta music as well. And she was um, talking about how Google in itself, when they came to do uh, research on on Bira and put it on um, on their uh, platforms. You know, a lot of people were very proud that uh, 
Bira music is being spread throughout the whole world, but she was talking about how how they were being cultural vampires yes. in, in in the act itself, you yeah. know, of just taking yeah. and then just putting it out there. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, today earlier on, she posted a, a quote by Ibram Candy, mm-hmm. and it says. But there's no neutrality in the racism struggle. The opposite of racist isn't not racist. It's anti-racist. Yes. And with your point saying that anti-racist work is not just work for black artists only. It's for everyone who is living on this face of the earth. And there are only two choices out there. It's either you're racist or you're anti-racist. And I think if you're anti-racist, you should actively participate and show that you're anti-racist. This is a much, much more effective way of, of fighting racism and fighting all these uh, injustices that all the, the marginalized people always, you know, face throughout the whole world, you know, in different communities. And I think this is the only way as one united front we just come together and we kick this thing to the curb and the, the, it really got me thinking because i mean there's there, there's no there's no gray area yeah. no it's either black and there's or, no or white you yeah. know you, you just have to in pick the a side <laughs> you are not in the revolution so you must make a choice now yeah. because there's no time yeah it's because urgent. because if you're not if you're not racist yeah. and you're not anti-racist yeah. you're what condoning you? racism yes. You are, you are part of the problem. You are allowing the thing to happen right. by taking yourself, by isolating yourself. Mm, mm. Even if you are not really isolated because that thing affects you. There's no neutrality. Right? So there is no such thing as gray area. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's, it's a really interesting um, thing. And I think a lot of people should be aware of this yeah. because this is, not, this is not small talk. Yes. You know, it's happening right now. Yeah. And um, Miss Nina says, she asked one question, says, how can you be an artist and not reflect the time? Yeah. Yeah. How? <laughs> I think this is very relevant to, to the times that we're in at the moment, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think without the process of, of decolonization itself, mm-hmm. uh, without it, it being done at government level Mm -hmm. at country level you know without politicians themselves having these kind of um, processes you know enacted now i don't think it's possible to fight discrimination at such a big scale Mm. if the governments are not on board Mm. because in a lot of ways the governments um i think because of lack of decolonization in Mm. education have kind of, uh, like you said earlier, adopted mm-hmm. those systems that have already in place, yeah. that have already been in place, you know, yeah. that were left there by the uh, imperialist project. And I don't know if this is like a continuation of the project itself, mm-hmm. but a lot of the African governments are not conscious. Mm-hmm. They're not conscious that yeah. they're actually fighting against their own people. Mm-hmm. If they still leave these systems in place if they inherit them if they change regime after regime just inheriting the same systems in 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 um in governing the people you know and um i think that's the same reason why a lot of governments at the end of the day 
are fighting against their own people because they're using the same mentalities, the same systems that have been left there by the by the oppressors. Um, one thing that is that I'm really struggling with personally uh, at the moment is in recent times we've all witnessed a rise in violence against children, mm-hmm. women, uh, black people, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. etc. What, what should be the next step in the process of rooting out this ill, yeah. and what does this mean for for creators? Yeah, I think education. I'm a big advocate for education. Uh, and not just formal education at school, although mm. a lot of work needs to go in there because a lot of violence happened even in our schools, right. in our education system. Uh, I mean, the education system in itself has what we call in decoloniality, what we call the hidden curriculum. So those things that it perpetuates, it makes it fine for men to go around, male professors to go around raping um, students, women, uh, because, you know, it's somehow allowed. Mm. It's somehow just the system, the curriculum somehow keeps it there. It maintains that. Um, but I think education and education at home, uh, and that's why as decolonial people, our work does not just end in the streets or in the academy. We take the work home because we know our intimate spaces are some of the most violent spaces Mm, in this country. mm, mm. We have a lot of big problem of intimate partner violence, a lot of rapists, gender-based violence. It's people that you know. It's your husband, it's your brother or your uncle. Um, So I think we need to educate and begin young, like you say. Right. Um, disrupt gender roles because it's those things that instill that violence in, and, and makes it easy and acceptable for violence to perpetuate it. Um, I think we need also to definitely look at the justice system. We need to deal with like regula- regulation and legal frameworks to make sure that our people are protected and that even the culture, the justice-making culture needs to change. People mm. need to feel safer mm. if they walk into a police station to right. report these things. Right. So it's all these kind of spaces that need intervention, uh, critical, urgent intervention to deal with the violence of this kind. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite appalling that it's the same song that is sung every day. And I think... I think charity begins at home and there's a lot of toxic masculinity out there you know that is making it acceptable for these kind of acts to to happen because i mean it's it's a known fact that it's it's a lot of men that are doing the harm you know i'm not saying that women are not yeah. but a lot of men are and yeah. they are responsible it's patriarchy you know and yeah. a lot of them are yeah. um are getting away with it yeah. simply because they're an uncle of yeah. the sneeze and they are the family provider you know they are, there's a lot of violence happening and it's completely thrown under the carpet mm-hmm. you know simply because the person is of a certain stature mm-hmm. within the family within government uh, he's of a high it's culture you it's know it's culture to rape you know and I, I remember um, we, we had a dialogue a couple of years ago in, in Zimbabwe and we were talking about the different cultural um, 
aspects that actually promote the spread of HIV, mm-hmm. you know. And I think there are certain things and certain forms of violence, you know, that happen in the form of culture, mm-hmm. you know. And people should have rights and they should be given their freedom to make decisions, you know. And those cannot be infringed mm-hmm. under any form of name or mm-hmm. order or mm-hmm. whether it's culture whether it's a uh, oppression whatever whatever it is i think people should be allowed to exercise their freedoms yep. you know and um i think freedom is is one thing that everybody is entitled to yeah and um it's something that is really important to me because it reminds me of uh one other instance when i went to a festival in india a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and i was directing a play with um all these different kids mm-hmm. from from um from a school in zimbabwe and then we traveled all the way and they had like a really nice hairstyle that looked very similar and um there was this group of uh panelists mm-hmm. that were from i think the uk if i'm not mistaken but i think the uk or ireland i'm not sure mm-hmm. between the two and um i witnessed violence of the most bizarre order when they were touching the mm-hmm. children's hair mm-hmm. just to see how it's made mm-hmm. you know how do you even wash this you know i think education in itself isn't supposed to be for just africans yeah. you know the western people have to be educated because it's not okay for you to touch my hair like yeah. that that is also violence mm-hmm. i mean i think i'm just trying to also get all these thoughts and opinions and experiences you know out there so that people can actually listen i'm not saying that they should do what we are saying mm-hmm. but that should be food for thought yeah. yeah and i think education is just a button away these days right you don't even need to like read hectic theories with big words you just need to go on facebook and there's somebody who is confronting racism right. and that is where the learning happens mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's interesting because it plays a role and i think um a lot of uh, technology companies are also uh, jumping onto the train mm-hmm. um and they're also uh, revolting against these yeah. white supremacists you know these right wing conservatives and all these other people so this is this is actually nice and i think racism shouldn't be condoned and it should never happen especially uh in our own land as africans you know shouldn't allow that to happen i agree <laughs> we must fight it <laughs> right. against all means right yeah um thank you so much thank uh, you for nashi this was a very interesting conversation <laughs> yeah for for me too um i mean it's really interesting because i've also had to visit a lot of my past experiences yeah. and a lot of my past memories in order yeah. to to make sense of uh, what we are talking about today because it it has a lot of relevance yeah yeah this is it for today and hopefully you can come back on the podcast another time and then Anytime. we can have <laughs> another <here> discussion <laughs> all right all right all right thank you very much man thank um you. okay guys uh that was um a really interesting conversation uh, about uh neocolonialism decolonization what it means to the creatives in africa and um i mean you just have to jump on the train 
and be part of the revolution. It's either you're part of it or you're against it. That's how it works. Tariso Valentine Dube, out. Thank you for tuning into the African Creators Podcast. We'll check you out on the flip side. 